5: So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for listening to
6: the best of the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weeknight from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Eastern, 7 to 11 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon at FoxSportsRadio.com or stream us live every night on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR.
0: This is the best of the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon on Fox Sports Radio.
6: Hey, let's uh, talk about the big baseball result that has everybody hopping mad so far as the Mets beat the Marlins earlier today three to two uh they rallied in the ninth inning to tie the game at two bases loaded one out Michael Conforto is up Conforto who had left about 47 runners on bases the first three games of the year for the Mets uh kind of leans in a little bit and wins the game for New York let's hear it one two coming
7: and the slider in there strike
4: a strike
7: but he didn't move and Don Mattingly is going to come out and argue the call with the home plate umpire Ron
4: Culpa this is a strike yep. and he gets hit look at that oh you oh, can't do that uh, that's, they, that's, they have totally got to bring here. it back totally
7: have yes. they're going to it's he, absolute and he gonna stuck be. his elbow right into that
6: pitch it's going to be strike three, strike and three the umpires are outs. conferring and let's see What are they They, saying? They're saying the play stands. Game's over. The Mets win it. Wow. Wow. That's. Michael Conforto clearly stuck his elbow in. And Mattingly's coming out and arguing. But I'm sure he's going to be told that that's not reviewable. You're
8: trying to get it right. They don't get it right.
0: So why even have replay?
6: uh SNY on the call you know what I heard there David Gascon out of all of that with Hernandez and Darling I heard Mets win yeah that's what I heard all of that oh he's he stuck his elbow in the way did he really get hit they're gonna review it they can't review it I just heard Mets win that's all I heard on yeah, that I mean, was Mets
0: he, win you've you've seen some wild things in Major League Baseball like no game is ever the same we've seen walk-off wins we've seen walked walk-off wins we've seen wins. But I think this is probably the wildest thing I've seen in quite a while in Major League Baseball, bar none.
6: Baseball played over 100 years. You get something new all the time. I mean, look, he leans in. It barely grazes him. I mean, maybe – you can see a little bit of the rotation of the ball change a bit. So it just grazes him. But that's a strike. He should have struck out. It shows you where his confidence level is that I'm going to try to lean into a pitch that's down the middle for strike three because I can't hit the bleeping baseball, and I've been killing this team for the first three games. Uh, But, I mean, it was amazing that it's right down the middle, and he just looks like he turns, and the ump says, yep, it's a a hit by pitch. and sends him to first base, and the game is over. Don Mattingly went crazy, and I can't say I blame him because, look, if it's a strike, how do you get hit by it, right? If you Because that means you're leaning in. And uh, uh, the umpire made a big uh, Ron Culpa, TJ making a mea culpa following the game. Uh, Ron Culpa saying that, hey, I you know, look, I, I, I called it the way I saw it. The guy was hit by the pitch in the strike zone. I should have called him out. Uh, so he realized, he acknowledged he made the mistake Afterwards, but it, it clearly to me when I saw, you know, uh, the Mets win the game, and I see the final play, I'm like, Wait, no, no, they didn't show me the play. He got hit by a pitch. Oh no, that is the play hit by a pitch. <laughs> that is, oh, we, oh my, really, really? And Conforto's taking off his elbow wrap, and he's going down to first base. Why are you taking the elbow wrap off? The game is over. He's taking the elbow wrap off. I'm celebrating. I'm going down to first base. Yeah, the Marlins got hosed. But let's be realistic. This wasn't where the Mets had a win given to them and taken away from the Marlins. They had already tied the game at two. There's base, still bases loaded, two outs. The Mets can easily win the game the next at-bat, the, the next at bat, or they could have won the game in the next inning. Who knows if the Marlins would have won the game? It's not like where, boy, the Marlins had this W and this really bad call gives the win to the Mets. The Mets had already tied it and it was up in the air. Who knows what would have happened? It would have been a different game, but yes, it does result
0: in the Mets. But, but I got to imagine this will bring surfacing conversations about automation again with me. Major League Baseball and umpires like this clearly was called uh, a hit by pitch with the batter. But then again, it should have been like you mentioned, strike three being called. You can't go to video replay and argue balls and strikes. You can only replay if a batter was hit or not. So that's the unfortunate situation. Mm -hmm. Conforto, it seemed like to me, like he went into the VHS and popped in Major League two. And said, let me just give you my best Roger Dorn impersonation. And he gets dotted, although he didn't get plunked in the back. He gets hit in the elbow, takes his base, and they walk off. I, in defense of of gambling, the, I think this is the one silver lining with all of this is that FanDuel actually reimbursed gamblers that bet heads up on this Mets-Marlins game or anyone that tied this game into a deep parlay. I don't know this is, I don't know if this sets a bad trend but at least some people were done wrong they got their money back in, in this outcome cuz it was absolutely horrific.
6: I uh, see I thought you were going to go with bad news bears when when he keeps telling Rudy Stein to get hit. Stein, <laughs> get hit by a pitch, no Mr. Buttermaker, my arm hurts right. You want to win, don't you? Yeah, but my arm it's really bruised. It's get in there and get hit, Stein. Uh yeah, it, again I've never seen a game quite like this, where the pitch was that far down the middle, and it goes back to Barry Bonds, who used to wear all that body armor yeah. and stand over the plate, and he'd be able to get hit, and it would be well, Barry Bonds got it, didn't have to lean into anything. He would have the straps hanging off of his elbow pad, you know. To, to one point, it was so ridiculous. He was like he, it's like he encircled the plate when he was hitting. It really was ingenious.
0: The, the most, um, the mind-boggling thing with all this, though, is that Conforto didn't really sell it. I mean, you know, there's guys like you mentioned with Bonds, even Justin. Turner here in Los Angeles that are all over home plate. Conforta was on it, but when he got hit, he got grazed and he barely made a move towards first base. He looked back at the home plate umpire and said, I think I got hit. I think I did. And then he I ruled him, hit? taking his base. I, I got hit? No, I, I, yeah, I did. I got hit. Yeah, I got hit. I got hit.
6: We won. We, we won the game. So he actually said, not the way I wanted to win the ball game. Yeah, he's crazy. That's the only way he was getting on first base. If you're trying to lean into a ball down the middle, you know, the first two pitches were strikes. He has not been hitting at all. Yeah, that was the only way he was getting on first base. This is one of those, all right, I got to do something, man. I got to do, do something again. I can't leave three more guys on. I mean, I think he's left 20 runners on base in the first four <laughs> games of this season. I, but really
0: Batting a lowly 176 on the Oof. year. That's right. That's absolutely it. I mean, this could be peak Mets baseball, though, in 2021.
6: Uh It could be. Yes, this could be. Listen, if this is how the Mets are going to win games, all right. Well, if this is how we win, we have to win this way. And I keep saying we, and I'm excited. <laughs> Mets win. All of this. Yeah. No, was it a bad? Was it a bad call? Yeah. But you know what? In the end, I don't care. That Mets won. Well,
8: That's I mean, all. Mets
0: won. They're going to win this game off of a hit by batter walk on yeah. fashion, and Jacob yes. Degrom is going to throw another eight innings of shutout ball. And get absolutely no run support and they'll lose that ball game anyway. So
6: Uh yeah. That's that's how it's gonna go. Yeah. <laughs> Look at with seven seven solid innings from deGrom, thirteen strikeouts. He's thrown thirty five pitches, but still we're gonna take him out and go to the bullpen. <laughs> and uh the Mets two nothing lead has turned into a six two deficit here in the night. That's how exactly
0: how it's gonna go. That's how it is, man.
6: Uh, So we'll have more baseball on the way. This Trevor Bauer story, we're starting to gain information on it, but right now Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic has a story that uh, baseball is looking at some baseballs that were sent to them following Trevor Bauer's first game. They're being investigated. So again, we're crossing our T's, dotting our I's. We'll have more on this story coming up in a little bit. Uh, But tonight, the big game in the NBA is the Suns and the Clippers. And the Suns have played phenomenal so far this season. uh, Getting ready, set to tip off in a couple minutes here on TNT. And it it was last night on the show after coming off the 29 point game we had the conversation uh, with Steve DeSager a couple of times said, you know what listen he's not going to win it but with everybody else getting hurt, right, with all the other players in the NBA, all the other stars, all the other leaders, whether it was Joel Embiid who's been hurt, LeBron James who's been hurt, Harden was terrific, but when Harden doesn't play, the Nets win anyway. Is Nikola Jokic really that much of a difference maker on a loaded uh, the Denver Nuggets team? Giannis's bucks aren't as good as years past. So it's kind of a wide-open race. And I said, you know – I can make a really good case for Chris Paul being the MVP in the NBA this year. All the, the Suns talk about is his leadership and how much they listen to him. And it's finally a phenomenal fit for him leadership-wise, kind of like Jimmy Butler how he finally fit his leadership style in Miami and you know, carries him the heat to the finals last year. And you can point to the big – you always got stats, right? Stats, 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 stats. You point to the big stat. Last year, before they go to the bubble, Phoenix is 26-39. and 39. And now here they are, and Chris Paul is really the only big ad, and they're 36 and 14. All right, Chris Paul is 17, 8, and 6, so he doesn't have the stats, and, and we really love stats for our MVPs. But man, you talk about what a most valuable player is. Here are the Suns that won eight in a row in the bubble, and that's great. But here they are, they were 13 games under 500 without Chris Paul, and now here they are 22 games over, and he's really been the only big ad. Like they added Jay Crowder, but look, Crowder's scores 10 a game. It's not like suddenly, oh, Jay Crowder's a difference. But you hear all of the Suns say, yes, the leadership he brings, we listen to him, uh, everybody sops up everything he says. This is finally the best fit for him leadership-wise. So we did that a couple of times. And then tonight, NBA on TNT. Here's Charles Barkley from just a little bit earlier.
7: I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this for the last time. <laughs> listen, earlier in the season, LeBron was MVP and Joel Embiid. Then James Harden was the MVP. You guys got to start giving my guy Chris Paul love for MVP, man. Y'all got to give my guy love for MVP.
6: He was fantastic last night. He's been fantastic
7: all season.
6: So there you go. Apparently Charles Barkley gets his takes from the show. Hijacked. I mean, last – I mean, really, now you're talking about Chris Paul for MVP. I mean, we did it a couple of times last night, laid out my case just kind of like I did here because that's a big difference. When you talk about MVP, it's kind of like the old days in sports where, boy, who is leading their team to the top of the standings and and is is doing it with stats but also doing it uh, by lifting them in the standings. And that's kind of the way it used to be. Now it's just all stats, right? Who's the best player with the best stats on the best team? And that's kind of where, okay, well, that person's the MVP – This is kind of a throwback, but clearly this is as good as Chris Paul has been this year. And I said, I can make a great case for Chris Paul for MVP. Now here comes Charles Barkley saying, hey, how about Chris Paul for MVP? Oh, okay. So now this is going to run. But remember, we talked about this last night and surprise, surprise, here it is. It winds up someplace else the next day. Just the latest example of things that we say on the show the next day and the next couple of, turning up someplace else like this.
0: Well, that's why it's on the podcast, right? So people can actually Mm. listen to it refresh it and then obviously use it for their own content in the next show i mean to your point too jason the the interesting thing is the numbers aren't there for chris paul like let's say a lebron james james harden those guys but the impact it's similar to what jason or steve nash excuse me back in the day with the phoenix suns and look at his impact i mean he was the guy in phoenix now the numbers were gaudy for him and he beat out kobe bryant a couple times for the, the league mvp But the difference between those two guys, Nash then and Chris Paul now, is that, like you mentioned, they weren't a playoff team a season ago, and now he's made an instant impact not only on the offense but the leadership of that group. I mean, keep in mind, him and Devin Booker are one and two in points per game. He's a team leader in assists. He's fourth in the NBA in assists, but they're nearly the top dog in the Western Conference. If he was doing this in the East, I'd say, okay, like that argument doesn't have or hold as much weight, but the fact that he does it in the West – and he's played forty nine of fifty games. That has to mean something, especially when you have load management, you have guys banged up, you have James Harden taking days off, and they go in the Eastern Conference. Those things should come into play amongst voters.
6: Yeah, look, and, and I thought he was done two years ago. I, he's thirty three. He's clearly he's he's hit the apex of his career, and now he's done. And, and, and look at him now. I mean, really, I can say he could be the MVP of the NBA. And now maybe he gets the groundswell for it because in a year it's so wide open, maybe people start getting behind Chris Paul. But, you know, just, just, uh, just so everybody knows, you know, we, we talked about Chris Paul being the MVP last night. Now suddenly, for some reason, here's Chris Paul MVP talk yeah, but, coming up the next day. But at I could be on NBA on TNT. I'll be on with Shaq and Kenny and those guys. I, I could do that gig.
0: Could you work the board, though? Like, that's what I'm saying. Can you run to the board as fast as Kenny does?
6: oh oh! So that's a question maybe, like mobility no, maybe not wise, as Kenny. yeah Kenny. I, I could run faster than than Shaq and Barkley that doesn't that's count. easy but Kenny, I, Kenny I don't know Kenny I don't know if I could do that hey, but I'm ready I can go on I go on NBA on TNT you could do the show with Armin. I could be on NBA on TNT
0: the question is do you go bow tie like Ernie Johnson or do you go full three-piece suit like the no 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 the no I go the opposite I go no tie
6: that's ooh. my look is no tie it's All very right. casual Mets sweatshirt you, know, Wait, maybe, you can't
0: do maybe. that on a national show. You can't Why wear can't Mets. I? It's Mets propaganda. It no, doesn't no, look no, good. No, no, it no. doesn't play okay, the or just,
6: okay. So Under Armour sweatshirt or a Nike sweatshirt or, you know, Lululemon sweatshirt, right. baseball hat. And I look like I'm a rich millionaire because, wow, that guy must be really rich because look how he dresses <laughs> on national television. He dresses like he doesn't give a crap. The other guys are all in suits. He's in a sweatshirt and a baseball hat. Hey, now, that's how I would go. As I'd long do as that you're guy.
0: wearing some loafers, then it's all good. We're yeah, doing yeah, that. yeah, With no socks.
6: Yeah, that's right. right. I wear that with no socks and loafers. That'd be my look. Right. Joining us now on the hotline for all the big news in the NFL, you can follow him on Twitter at Jay Glazer, NFL on Fox Insider. Of course, the founder of MVP, Merging Vets and Players, and unbreakable performance. And I'll tell you, Jay, big deal coming up today that everybody saw on TMZ, uh, how you are now offering therapy at your gym at Unbreakable. Uh, this is just an awesome, awesome thing, man. Congratulations on that.
7: I appreciate it, man. I think it's pretty groundbreaking. It's, it's you know, especially coming out of pandemic, uh, we couldn't wait to get back together and work out again. But you know, our mental health suffered a lot more than our physical health did. So I figured, look, a place like, like Unbreakable for me, like I open Unbreakable, um, so I have a place for my mental health. My physical health helps me. You know, it just helps me out helps me get the roommates in my head to talk a a lot nicer to each other when I'm training when I'm working out. But but, you know, I look at that place as a mental health facility more than a a physical health facility. So I wanted to put somebody in there where as our clients are coming back and they've been through a lot of stuff. Look, we've just been forced to isolate for a year. And think of what isolation is so scary for us that people in prison are horrified to be put in solitary confinement, getting isolated, right? And we were just forced to do that. And um, you guys know how much I work with vets. And, and our combat vets, they sign up to go to war. The rest of us, we, didn't, we just went through a war. We didn't sign up for this. Nobody signed up for a, a fight or for a war against this pandemic So, you know, like who helps everybody through it with their mental health and what's between their ears? So I said, you know, I I just – I thought it was really – I thought it was really important that we could all have somebody – we could turn to each other there um, because we are a team there, and and the team helps us through the grave for those of us who – like for me, I suffer from depression and anxiety, but I think going through a pandemic, a lot of people felt what somebody like me goes through every day. And I know what – you know, I I use – three therapists to help me through the week. I use my teams. I use my friends. I, I ask for help. I tell people I'm struggling, but most people don't know to really, don't know that's okay. So I figured, let me help. Let me bring one of the people who, who helps me in, Susie Landolfi, who um, she's my therapist and she's a the therapist for MVP. Let me put her at the gym also now so our people there can come in there and they can train. Um, so then go see her also. So, you know, our motto at Unbreakable is we build you from the inside out. And the only way I could build you from the inside out is I really have somebody who, you know, is, is a therapist and a mental health professional. And, man, we all got to do this together. When you talk to
6: other teams, Jay, when you make your 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 and you go around the league and you talk to GMs and coaches and players and everything, did they ask you about coming to you? How, how, like, what percentage of them say, yep. "Hey, I really want to. I'm really glad you do. This. I really want to come here. Can I make an appointment? Can I come out to see you and, and go over and do stuff like yeah. this with you?"
7: Actually, Sean Payton was there training this week. <laughs> Sean Payton was there training with like four rappers. He's in there with like Ot Genesis and like, oh, it was hilarious. Um, but here's the other thing that I'm, I'm most proud of because look I've used my my relationships to get inside information to give fans inside information and to also do a lot of things like make things happen and like people kind of rely on my my take on hey do I like this guy do I like this guy when he fit my team in the last month and a half I'm proud to say because I've spoken out so much on mental health, I've gotten four GMs and one head coach in a therapy in the last month and a half. How cool is that? Wow. He's a GM and a head coach who always thought it was like um, it was weak if they asked for help or weak if they talked to somebody and you know, they, they now at least return to me and go, all right, we have somebody who seems way more messed up than we are. who's doing this stuff and and we could turn to. So I'm proud I could use these relationships. And I I tell them also, like, hey, guys, if you could understand those of us who live in the gray, right, if you could understand what it's like to wake up and have depression, anxiety, and just live in this suck every day, it'll make you so much better of a a leader of men as 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 a coach or as a general manager, or man, you don't know who, you know, your secretaries, your cap guy, your owner, your fiancé, your wife, your daughter, like, you don't know. So I'm I'm really trying to destigmatize it where, you know, they're kind of thinking it's okay. Like it's I think the NFL is so far behind uh, on mental health and what it is. I had a team call me last year saying, we're well, the guy saying he's gonna commit suicide. We don't know how to handle it. I know you guys are dealing with them with, with MVP. What do we do? So it's it's we're almost wow. on the ground floor of what we do in these situations. So I'm putting it out I'm putting every scar I have out there to let everybody know it's okay. It's okay not to be okay. Like I'm messed up but I'm good with my messed upness, man, and, like, you know, up until recently, I always, like, I always thought I was cursed with this depression, anxiety, and, and the gray, and and it, it wasn't until I started speaking out of it and people started um, hitting me up, thanking me or telling me they're going to get help, that I really think that God blessed me with depression now, that I can help other people, and it's... It's um my life has changed in the last 6 months talking about it, I never I never I really never saw it coming to be honest with you. I just always thought I'd fight this crappy gray every day of my life. Jay, and for the first time I'm seeing a little blue.
0: Jay, how do you break down the walls then? Like there's a stigma behind that with a lot of people. Yep. So when you talk to therapists and counselors like you made that approach, but for other people that have yet to do that, how do you help them along make that initial step in inquiry? Yep.
7: I had somebody reaching out to me tonight. He goes, "I feel so ashamed." I go, well, "Why do you feel ashamed?" And he said, you reached out to me, and you're admiring me for doing it. Why aren't you admiring yourself for doing it? And that's the thing. Like, man, God blessed me with the, with this, with the ability to communicate and this big forum where I could talk about it. So I'm trying to get people to know. Like again, it's it's there's nothing wrong. And here's the thing. I think what makes me messed up. I think these scars that I have. I don't. Think they damage me? I used to, but now I turned it around. I flipped the script on it. I don't think they damage me. I think they empower me. I think they allow me to walk in other rooms and go, okay. I don't know. I don't know if anybody else in here has been through these dark tunnels that I've been through and came out through the other side. So I'm different. I'm good. And that's what we have to do. Like, man, all of us who suffer from depression, anxiety, man, that that crap has run our lives for too long. We kind of we got to f- start fighting back together. And the only way to fight back is if we do this together and we start talking about it and we don't run away from it. And we start stepping up there and go, yeah, I'm going to talk because maybe the guy over here and the girl over here, they're going through it and nobody else is speaking up for them. But it's it's important, man. It's an important message. And um, I think mental health years ago is different than it is now because of social media. Like, man, think about it. We're comparing our, our lives to everybody else's fraction of a second filtered moment, we all think our lives stuck, even me. I think I'm getting left out. I think my life sucks half the time because I'm comparing it to somebody else's stuff. And it's just not, there's so much, you know, untruth out there. And we have to fight that also. So, man, we need to fight this together. We got to walk this walk together. As he was
6: called on TMZ today, mental health warrior Jay Glazer. You can follow him on Twitter at Jay Glazer. That is at Jay Glazer. Jay, as always, buddy, keep up the good fight. Glad to see things are happening. Where everybody's getting back to normal now. It's it's we're all got
7: our fingers crossed. and Everything is going. Hey, we're back to normal because I'm doing the NFL draft for Fox Sports Radio in a couple of weeks on Thursday. That is my favorite night of the year, man. I can't wait. I cannot we wait got to be in that studio with y'all.
6: And we got Strahan's going to hit you with a, with a big uh, bucket of Gatorade again.
7: <laughs> <laughs> He's an idiot. The whole, the whole filling in his gap on my bro, that thing got away from you, man. <laughs> I said, hey! Not only that, he did it three days before April Fool's. That's like me fasting four days before Yom Kippur. It makes no sense. <laughs> Take it easy,
6: JB. Good buddy. We'll talk Thanks to you next time. Thanks, Jeff. You got it, man. There goes Jay Glazer. You know, look, uh, this is something that is obviously it's so incredibly important, and you know to hear Jay talk about this. I mean, it's been tough for all of us. We're just coming out of what a year. Of isolation looks like, and certainly in some parts of the country, you know, they've been coming out a little bit sooner. But all of us had months and months and months of this, and here in, in Southern California, now we're just starting to get to the point where we're going to reopen again. And I, I, I got to be honest, I feel weirder now that we're going to reopen than I did during you know the, the, the lowest times of the pandemic because I felt like, hey, well, we're staying at home and we're wearing a mask and we go out and we're doing, but now we're opening back up again. And not, I'm afraid of all. I mean, I'm glad we're opening up, but it's just I don't know I have this feeling of, of untetheredness about what you know what's gonna happen now and how are, how is life gonna go and how do I jump right back into what I used to do and be able to go to the movies and eat dinner inside and all of these things and it's weird that I feel like now that we're coming out of it I, I I kind of feel weirder than I did when it when we were in the middle of it if that makes sense
0: yeah it does I mean, more so now than ever in my life I look at mortality and I look at the people older that I love and care for that have passed away or that are you know near the end of the rope and And then I look for the youngsters, like high school, elementary school kids. You know, they've been basically locked down for such a long period of time. You think, no school, no friends. Like, what kind of resolve are they going to show as they age? Because these are things they will never, ever, ever forget. This is like a once in a lifetime moment, and they have to endure it.
6: Yeah, I mean the good news is kids are resilient. Yes, so they, you know when they get older, it's going to be boy that year was weird. We are. You know, we are really, really really weird. You know? Kids are resilient. They yeah. get back. It's going to be the adults and how do we live and with a different way of life now going forward. It really is, and I I feel like it's like what do you do when yeah. when you now it's over now, yeah. now it's getting to be over and we're getting out to it and and that's going to be an adjustment. It's, yeah. it's, sometimes it's hard to just jump back in. More Marlins games uh, for us, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, great stuff from Jay Glazer. We got Jay on Twitter again at Jay Glazer that is at Jay Glazer be sure to catch live editions
4: of the Jason Smith show with Mike Harmon weekdays at 10 p.m. Eastern 7 p.m. Pacific
0: hey I'm John Middlecoff and I host the three and out podcast do you like football do you like the NFL do you like the NFL draft quarterbacks coaches well I talk about it all on the show I used to work for Andy Reid as a scout. Now I give you my unfiltered and raw opinions on everything that goes on in the NFL. And you know we're talking college football because of how important the draft is year round. Listen to the Three and Out podcast with me, John Middlecom, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like
2: how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge.
3: Carol G. La bichota. Christina Aguilera. Extina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in a house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music.
8: Certified Latin royalty.
6: New details of Tiger Woods' car accident have come out in the last hour. Uh, this is from USA Today and Sports Illustrated. There are new, I mean, these are new, uh, not counting the, the different from what we found out last night, which was the L.A. Sheriff's Department reported that he was traveling at an unsafe speed of between 87 and 89 miles an hour. Uh, and he went up over the median, and that's how his car crashed. These are new facts that have come out. About the report, this is the 22-page collision report that revealed these new details. Uh, one, he mistakenly thought he was in Florida when he was interviewed by a sheriff's deputy. Uh, now, I get that when you're in some kind of you're in some kind of uh, uh, heavy accident like that, you don't know where you are, you forget where you are. Uh, Wayne Kerbet once told a story. I uh, told me a story once that uh, he got hit on. We was covering a punt his rookie year with Houston, with the Jets, and he was playing the Oilers, and he got drilled and making the tackle and he gets up, he's walking off and and, and, the, and, and the doctor came out to see him because they could tell he was walking real weird. He didn't remember anything that happened. And after he got his wits back about him, he said, hey, what happened out there? And the, he said the doctor told him, dude, you thought you were at the Paramus Mall. Oh. You were walking down <laughs> saying, oh oh, I'm going to go into Nordstrom. I'm going to go here. He goes, really? He goes, yes, you, were, you thought you were at the mall in New Jersey. Man. So I get that part of it. Now, that's a weird part. You thought he was in Florida. Uh, his blood pressure was too low to administer any type of pain medication. After the crash, which, oh, my goodness, you think about that and Tiger Woods and and, and the pain he must have been in, he couldn't even get pain medication. But then this is where things get a little weird. An empty pharmaceutical bottle was found in a backpack at the scene of the crash with no label or indication of what was inside it. Now, it could have been fish oil pills. It could have been nothing. It could have been something more than that. Who knows? But here's an empty pharmaceutical bottle. And what did the L.A. Sheriff's Department say? There were no signs of anything. No signs of any kind of of alcohol or pills or anything. And here's an empty pharmaceutical bottle that was found in a backpack. He was also going in a straight line. And there was no evidence that he tried to navigate the turn before he hit the median. So there was no way he was coming where where oh my goodness I gotta I gotta re, I gotta reconfigure I gotta I gotta swerve he was going straight did not try to make that turn hit the median and then there are ninety nine percent that he hit the gas in the final seconds before he hit the raised median instead of hitting the brake so there was no evidence he tried to turn and instead he hit the gas. You know, to go up and going up over the median and and wound up coming to rest, you know, a couple hundred yards later. Um, When I first saw this, I thought, well... Obviously, he fell asleep, right? Something happened. He's driving early in the morning. He fell asleep at the wheel. And and that's probably what happened. Uh, That's what I thought it was. And even after talking to Steve Gregory last night, KFI reporter who broke the story uh, when it first happened a a month or so ago, I said, "Okay, he probably fell asleep at the wheel. But the whole time, the investigation to me just uh, smacked of, are they really doing everything they normally do for everyone else? Right away at the scene of the crime, they said, no influence of anything. Why? Because we talked to him. Oh, okay. Uh, did you get a warrant for his phone records? No why distracted driving is something you can't do yeah. and I'm not I'm not looking for saying hey you know you I want to find something Tiger Woods did wrong but it's a big deal you know distracted driving is something that is, is you know you can't do it you get, tick- you, t- you get ticketed for it and that's something that I think you would want to make public that hey you know what this is what happens when you when you text and drive this is what happens look at what happened to Tiger Woods it nearly turned out he is so worse for him he could have died but they didn't check his phone records they basically went on his word for for everything and when they say now there was no evidence of anything at the scene and here's an empty pharmaceutical bottle. Like I said, it doesn't need to be nefarious, but you can't sit here and say there was no evidence of anything when that was at the scene. Yeah. So now I wonder. You know, from the very beginning, I said the sheriff and and Villanueva when he stood up in front of everybody and he said this investigation is closed. It's an accident. This is what happened. I felt like he was going to be the guy to say I am going to protect Tiger Woods. I am standing up to protect Tiger Woods in this situation and. I'm going to take all the arrows for him. And I'm like oh, well, I, I don't know that that's how you normally do an investigation. I don't know how you could say, we're not going after certain things just to check. Why would you not check his phone? Why would you not check if there was some kind of pharmaceutical uh, 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 pill there? Why would you not try to get some of his blood just to do your due diligence in doing a report? I don't feel that, that the police did what they were supposed to do top to bottom in this case, where it was Tiger Woods, and a decision was made somewhere that it was an accident. He was the only one who was hurt, and, and we're gonna protect him. And and I, I felt that in the beginning. I felt it last night. I feel it more now.
0: Yeah, I, it's amplified. I mean, I drove that street. I drive it many times on Hawthorne Boulevard, going up and down to Torrance or up to Rolling Hills. And so I know the area quite well. In fact, I had this conversation with my dad, who was with the LAPD for 32 years, and he's an expert in traffic situations. And we had a guesstimate on what the the speed he was traveling at, I actually said 66 miles per hour. He was around 60. For us to be under that limit, and he was reportedly going between 83 and 87. I mean, talk about shooting the moon. I mean, he's lucky he's still alive for being in that kind of an accident. Here's the thing that's striking to me, though, Jason, is that you and Mike last week had talked to Amy Dash about this. And you guys had discussed with her the Q&A surrounded the L.A. County Sheriff not releasing information based on the the, personal, the personality involved and also the privacy issues around Tiger Woods. You know, Talking to my pops about this, it's easily BS. And the reason why is because these are civil servants in a traffic accident. You and I could have inquired through a Freedom of Information Act, the collision report. We could have obtained that. So, in my opinion, I actually think that Tiger Woods and potentially the Sheriff's Department... We're trying to cover this up and Tiger Woods saying, hey, I'll disclose this information is coming out like, hey, I'm the good guy. I'm giving you this information so you don't go sniffing through anything else. And now that USA Today and Sports Illustrated have uncovered and read the documents on this, I mean, this has to, it leads to belief of what you and many others, and even I thought like, hey, there's other elements involved. If it's not drugs, it's alcohol. If it's not alcohol, it's a lack of sleep. If it's not a lack of sleep, it's texting and driving. There's no way you could drive down that street, Hawthorne Boulevard that fast and not hit the brakes if you are aware of your surroundings i mean there's plenty of terrain there's a center divider and it's 7 30 8 o'clock in the morning there's usually traffic going north and southbound on that road so for him he had to have some kind of distraction it wasn't like he was looking at a clear path and said you know what let me jerk this wheel real quick and hit the gas and i'll run right through whatever's there and survive it no problems no questions asked
6: yeah, you know, I I I thought when they said he didn't hit the hit the hit the brake and he hit the gas instead, I was trying to see how you would do that. Yeah. Right. Because no matter what, no matter what kind of incident you're in, if you're driving and you realize you're doing something wrong, you hit the brake, right? I, I, I've never hit the gas instead of the brake in a situation like that. Yeah. So I thought what happened was either he was you know he's looking down at his phone or he was asleep, and when he hit the median, you start. You know, you know, you're up in the air or you're, you're, you're on the side and who knows where your foot winds up going. Yeah. Right. And you wind up hitting the brake, thinking you're hitting uh, hitting the, the gas, thinking you're hitting the brake. Right. That's kind of how I thought that was going to happen. That's how sure. that's how the, OK. That's how he winds up hitting the you know hitting the acceleration. But instead, this report is he hit the acceleration while he was still driving, while the car was still going in a straight line. And he hit the acceleration instead of hitting the brake. So how did how did you do that? Yeah. I mean, really. I mean, th- this is an investigation. Lin, I don't want to see Tiger Woods go to prison or anything, but I feel like you know the police. You, you gotta you gotta show me that you're doing your job. How you do it for everybody? Right. If this is me, would they do that for me? Hell would no. Would they not take my blood at the scene? Would they not check my phone? Would they not see what was what was in this bottle of pills right here? Would they not then say we don't know what's in it? So now we're going to check your blood? I mean, of course they would do that. And I don't know if they'd want up charging me with a crime. But they wouldn't just say, it's an accident and it's closed. I mean, they wouldn't do that at all. And they did that for Tiger Woods.
0: It's due diligence. you doing due diligence on something like that. You look at someone responding at a traffic accident. You're looking at their eyes. You're smelling their breath. You're also looking at their body language. You're monitoring their speech. I mean, there's tons of things. So, to see an unmarked pharmaceutical bottle, I mean, that's your probable cause, combine that with the speed and the collision that he was involved in, it wasn't like it was a bumper-to-bumper situation with another car, or he hit wildlife. There's coyotes up there. There's deer up there. Pedestrians don't really walk up and down that road, but you know he wasn't involved with anything else. And so, the, the rate of speed that he was traveling at, and no brakes, no skid marks at all identified, that's your probable cause right there. And I I feel like, yeah, like you mentioned, there's there's more to the story that meets the eye. And I don't know if we're ever going to find it, unless it's in another documentary.
6: No, I mean, look, if this is the report that came out, this is going to be it. The only way this gets looked into is if there's some kind of internal investigation into the police department. Right. And, and, and look, and let's face it, L.A. County Sheriff's Department is not in a no. great spot right now because, nope. you know, you mentioned our interview with Amy Dash. And I yeah. said, Amy, what's, you know, this this privacy thing that doesn't seem to be a, a real issue? And she said, well, when you're staring down some kind of lawsuit and some kind of payout, that's going to go to Vanessa Bryant because of showing Kobe Bryant's phone Photos around the death photos around. Yeah, uh, yeah you're going to be pretty careful with how private you are. So I said, okay, I I I, I get that part of it, but th- the rest of it is is just that's not how it would be for anybody yeah. else. And and uh, you know I don't know that they would charge me with a crime, but sure enough, they would if they found a pharmaceutical bottle, they would test my blood. I'm sure they would. They would find a way. Yeah. They would interview me. They would see what kind of medications I was on. They would check my phone. They would do all of these things and they didn't with Tiger Woods. No doubt about it. I, and I don't know if this is a an overcompensation or correction knowing hey we're dealing with this Kobe Bryant thing so let's just keep every this is an accident we're moving on and we're moving forward. I don't know but but something something we're not being told is going on. There's something that happened that we're not getting. I never felt we were getting the whole story and clearly we're not getting the whole story especially when these these uh, facts come out. And how do we get that story yesterday when they have to know that these stories this story- is going to come out like the twenty-two page unredacted uh, uh, investigation is going to be put out. People are going to report it, and they're going to talk about it. No doubt. I wonder how you know. How do you not get ahead of that and say, "Well, yeah, there's a pharmaceutical bottle, but uh, you know, we we didn't test his blood or anything." Oh no, really? You just took his word for it. Boy, <laughs> I, I, I I'd love for the police to you know take my word for it on things like that.
0: Yeah, you you want the days of, of TMZ not doing your heavy lifting for investigations not to be present, but in this day and age, you almost need someone from TMZ to say, "Hey, give me twenty or 30 thousand that I could spend on a sheriff hey if you were there at the scene of the crime what did you see what did you hear and what do you suspect i mean that's what you need nowadays right i mean yeah. tnz does all the grunt work and all the dirty work that reporters necessarily can or can't do and they go behind the scenes sometimes and they pull out some wild stuff so i hate to see it but you know something's gonna pop it can't stay as quiet as it is even with tiger woods because where a celebrity gets in trouble you know there's money to be made right around the corner yeah. Uh,
6: again, uh, that's a new report. That's about an hour or so old. Uh, the new details involving Tiger Woods's crash. Uh, again, you can check it out. USA Today, Sports Illustrated has it as well. Uh, they have decided to protect Tiger Woods. And that's really what it was. Uh, so certainly we have not heard the end of this storyline.
1: I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a Podcast. podcast.